You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. So favorite draft day moments in Panthers history, draft day moments ever. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Some of this stuff. Hold on. It's Wes. We got to say R.I.P. to Springer. You know what I'm saying? Jerry Springer. And Walker. Wes, I'm going to ask you a question. What's up? It is the day of the number one overall selection. This is true. And you told me to stop talking about the NFL draft. Just to real say, quick. hold on, let's send an RIP out to Jerry Springer. He's a part of our show, though. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. He's a part of our show. Wait. <laughs> Thinking about that peanut uh, peanut butter from Peter Pan playing. It's okay. We like a little Freddie Gibbs. We like Conway. We like Babies and Fools. That's all right. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Visit to the mound will have to come tomorrow because it is the last week of the regular season. We do want to talk about the Atlanta Braves. We want to talk about what to expect this upcoming postseason. But we will still give the platform to the one and only Josh Fitty Marlowe. Except this time, it's now for the live wire. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. The best part about the last break we just took was you and I both like going over the schedule to see, you know, how fast of a start can they get off to where I know they got a stretch in December where they're on the road for like two weeks where they could lose virtually every game. It's going to be a lot of fun. The stretches, I will say, as we continue, to, I, we're talking a lot more Hornets than I even wanted yeah. to. I just wanted seven minutes and about I get, the luncheon. And I gave you 15. That's <laughs> the kind of guy I am. You, know, you gave us a lot more, but you're right. The way that the schedule stacks up, they have the longest ever homestand. I believe that's true. I'm not going to get drummed to research it, but I believe they do have the longest homestand, certainly in recent history, and they it is a very sectioned off type of schedule. They don't, you know, they're not going back and forth, back and forth. They have three games on the road, three games at home. It is very much built like that. All right. So let's dive back into some, uh, some audio. We'll go back to Frank Reich's press conference yesterday, where a lot of questions about the veterans that they've brought in, whether they're producing the way that they expected them to. And Frank said, uh, they still need time to adjust to the scheme. As the season has gone on, you know, we've continued to churn a few the roster a little bit and f- bring some guys in that are, are helping and that we, you know, still need to learn the system more, but that we feel are, are making are helping us to get better. Um, so we just got to keep finding ways to play winning football for 60 minutes. Um, you know, that comment, the vest that they brought in, I think they're definitely getting some stuff out of uh, Justin Houston. He's been popping up, flashing uh, here and there, but. When you talk about adjusting, yeah, I mean, this is an adjustment still at the end of the day. That's also something else to be put at play here is the fact that this staff was turned over uh, and pretty much an all-new staff. And then they also brought in uh, a lot of pieces as well. So I would imagine that's going to take a little bit of time as well. But still, some of the flaws there have nothing to do with scheme or uh, anything of that nature. Some of it's just... Can you play or not? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the veteran replacements at Troy Hill comes to mind. You have Justin Houston that you mentioned signed right before the regular season started. We do like Justin Houston. Even the wide receivers, if we're counting those as veterans, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, 
DJ Chark got loose a couple times downfield, had the busted coverage. Thielen was targeted more than anybody in this game, and that was the favored connection for Andy Dalton. But it is taking some time, hopefully just not too much longer now, before the Panthers find some winning ways. I was going to ask you, Walker, very excited about the addition of Von Bell this offseason. Has he made the type of impact on the Panthers' defense through three weeks that you expected to upon him coming over from Cincinnati. Had the interception. I still think Von Bell is a smart football player. I thought he played well enough against the Saints. Did not play well against the Falcons. The whole team did a poor job tackling. Frankie Luvo, even, who was all over the football field, just didn't wrap up enough to tackle some of the guys that had the football in their hands. And so that was really tough. But yeah, I think Von Bell is fine enough. Problem is Xavier Woods, he went down and he was having a very nice season as a starting safety. So hopefully the back end can hold up. Yeah, um, that he was. But as far as Von Bell right now, currently ranked the 45th best safety in all of football from an analytics standpoint. So uh, I would say not really. Mm. Less with the numbers today and the analytics that do not favor the Panthers. All right. <laughs> Josh Graham, friend of the show, very close, dear friend of mine, because we share okay. the same first name. And, you know, we like to give takes. Remember at ACC Media Day, he picked Miami as the team to win the ACC. That could still very well happen. But he, he said, said the U is number two. Yeah. Oh, that's right. To, to make the ACC title game. He's very clear about the U being number two. But yesterday on his show, The Drive, he said that my Tar Heels, they're dark horse contenders to make the college football playoff. Don't say they're not a college football playoff dark horse. Look at where TCU was at this time a year ago. And you tell me how plausible at that point it was for them, not just to get to the playoff, but to win a playoff game, get to the national championship game. If TCU can do it with a first year coach, why not Mac Brown and Drake May? If TCU can do it with a quarterback that looks like Josh Graham, why not? Why not Drake May? Why not Mac Brown? That was a really big test that they aced. Wes, I know it's hard for you to talk about my heels in a non-biased manner, uh-huh. but at 4-0 and ranked 15th in the country, and a quarterback that can throw touchdowns with his left hand, are my heels a dark horse to make the playoff? Hell no. Uh, let's just keep it a buck here, all right? Uh, you know, I, I picked the heels preseason to go 6-6. Six and six. They've done a good job so far beating up on teams that I feel like they should. I believe when we picked them, I think I had them 3-1 and one to start the season. You had them losing to Minnesota, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the team that its toughest matchups are ahead of them. So I'd have to see them in those type of settings before I got close to any of those types of vibes. We already know 50 hour uh, clash about the Syracuse Orange, and then you've got Miami uh, as well on the horizon. Then a little bit of an easy stretch before Duke, Clemson, and NC State. So I would say no, no. Because you don't think they're going to win, right? Because the yeah. schedule would allow you to think they can get there. This is still the 10th best total defense in all of the ACC. We've seen at times it's showing its head again, and I've said over the last eight games, Drake made 14 touchdowns to eight interceptions, so I want to see him get in some of these big games to really light it up as well, too, before I would even come close to wrapping my mind around that. I think North Carolina has as good of a shot as the other teams that are high up in the ACC outside of Florida State. I would say Florida State is number one. Clemson at two losses is already behind the eight ball because you already lost to Duke and you lost to Florida State. So their chances of being a top 14, they're out the window at this point. If you go to North Carolina, Duke, Miami, all of the 4-0 and schools outside of Florida State, I think they all have a very similar dark horse type of shot. 
And plus, when you talk about having what I think is still the best quarterback in the ACC, maybe outside of Jordan and what he's doing with Florida State with some excellent wide receivers, even if Johnny Wilson will drop the football. Yeah, I think Drake May has that possibility. Would I bet on it? Would I bet any kind of peanut butter going on the top of my head? No, I would not. But dark horse is the key word here, and I do think that North Carolina could be a dark horse to make the playoff. The bagel guy says, sounds like another bet. What would Wes have to do if UNC <laughs> makes the playoff? Can we make a proverbial bet, Wes? Oh, I'm for that all day long. I mean, give, me that, gonna... it, give me that UNC to the CFP but bet But it's all more day. of like nothing on my end. But if <laughs> no, you... <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, buddy. For you. That's called a fool's bet. Right, exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So remember my first flash, we talked about Taylor Swift uh, getting more money for Travis Kelsey and maybe even bringing love to a loveless Anthony Flounder Pagnata. She also maybe gave way to Bill Belichick having his best quote as a head coach in the National Football League. Here's what he said on the Greg Hill show about Travis Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey hooking up with the pop star. Swifty to Swifty, uh, Taylor Swift was in attendance to watch Travis Kelsey's game with his mom in the box. Seems like they may be the new it couple. Where do you fall on that? <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, power couple in the NFL. Well, I would say that Travis Kelsey's had a lot. Kelsey's had a lot of big catches in his career. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the biggest. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, I like that from Belichick, man. Any chance you get to see his sense of humor, uh, you love it. And I think he's 100% correct. Uh, I talked about when we first brought up this topic with the ex-girlfriend calling him a cheapo and saying that they had to split everything 50-50. So I think this is the perfect one for him. He does not have to split anything because she has her own bag that trumps his by quite a lot. My question is, the reporter asking that question said from Swifty to Swifty, is Bill Belichick a closet Taylor Swift fan? You didn't we, know this? I did not know this information. Oh, yeah. He went and saw her when she played at Gillette over the summer. Oh, yeah. Belichick ah, Swifty. And okay. this is someone that likes her music by himself. Is this someone that has a relative that really likes it or a daughter or a son that really likes Taylor Swift and took them to a concert? Or this is real. Bill Belichick is a Swifty. No, he Bill Belichick, the mad scientist genius coach that he is okay enjoys watching taylor swift perform her music i had no clue but that is excellent information and i'm glad i have that now and i'm glad that bill belichick was having some fun with the media the other question i have is has there been anything to devour your timeline like the relationship between travis Kelsey and taylor swift nothing i can't scroll beyond Sanders. i get no it's more Rihanna's yeah, I said, I said that's the only yeah. other thing. It's more. I can't scroll four tweets without seeing something to do with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I don't want to be the old hater. I don't want to do it. I'm here <laughs> for the jokes, but everyone is running wild with trying to fit in any Taylor Swift song reference in there, any album reference. Now we've got Swifties learning football, which is a hilarious thing. I'm here for the story, but I need a break from it every little bit when we're only two days removed from Taylor Swift seeing Travis Kelsey. Kelsey play in person and my timeline is going nuts already man it's gonna be sad when she has to watch him lose to the 49ers in the Super Bowl <laughs> it's gonna be really sad that's right I, I wanted to dissect her not only in the box but sitting with Mama Kelsey who we all got to know on a national level and love during the Super Bowl week 
I mean, I think it's fair to say that her relationship is moving rather swiftly. Oh, yes, wrong, wrong. that was nicely done. Nicely done. With uh, with the with the the uh, the the tight end for the Chiefs. How long do you think they've been together and we're just now knowing about it? If she's already in the box with 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 Mama. With no, Mama I K. think this is quick. We know that's the Hollywood way. They do everything quick and fast and in a hurry. So I think it's just like what they said. He got in her DMs recently, and now things are progressing as she's sitting up there with Mama. I saw a tweet that said, I know that I'm 33 years old when I totally understand why she's already meeting mama. Like, we ain't got time to waste. <laughs> We're 33 years old. We're single. We need to get the job done. Here's my mom. You can meet my parents. Let's get this thing so, Let's get this thing moving. I saw that. So, very relatable tweet for anybody that is in their 30s, being single, and starting to date. But I have no clue how long they've been dating. What is funny, though, is the Travis Kelsey look. When they're walking out of the stadium together and somebody just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And Taylor Swift, it's it's hilarious to see that Taylor is so used to all of the attention nonstop. Where Travis Kelsey, very famous, especially in our sports corner of the world, but not like this. There's a reason that he gained 400,000 followers or something like that. Now that he's walking out, holding the hand or being alongside Taylor Swift, and he gives you that little smirk. Like, I don't know how to handle this. Yeah. This is a lot. I, I, am, <laughs> I am going 400 miles per hour. And if I stop, I don't know if it's, I don't know how to handle this type of speed. It seems a little out of control. She got him lit. Just like when uh, Travis Scott got with uh, Kylie Jenner and his record sales went through the roof, man. When you mess with those big, big mainstream A-list celebrities yeah. or your girlfriend, does a lot of wonders help Jay-Z when he got with Beyonce, man. It's just the effect that they have. But yeah, uh, Travis is definitely in for attention that he does not quite yet understand. The best part is, according to Mahomes, he's just very casual about it. He told them on Friday, yeah, she's she's coming to the game. And like no one believed him because he's just like being very nonchalant because he knows in their relationship, he's not he's not the breadwinner. Jason Kelsey was also discussing how Travis Kel- how, how Travis is not sharing a ton of information. And we played that soundbite yeah. where Jason's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's true. But Travis isn't bragging about it or anything like that. He shot his shot. He did a fun little Taylor Swift twerk out at practice to, I think, confirm the rumors. And now we know. <laughs> we saw Taylor Swift up there with Mama Kelsey watching her new boy. I think that's what we're watching well, right Well, I now. mean, too, you know, that's a man that's used to getting a lot of women. And also, too, you know, he's trying to. He tried his best to keep it coy as, as as long as he could because he had to cut off the other women uh, for Taylor Swift. So, you know, that's a little bit of a process as well. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> Teach me your ways, Wes Bryant. I wouldn't know. That'll do it for the live wire. Let's move on. Let's continue to talk. Actually, both sports. How about Carolina Panthers and some college football topics that we did not get to in the first two hours? It's coming up next on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Folks, coming down the stretch, I'm running down third base. Walker's waving me in as we are getting closer and closer to shutting down another episode Get of down, the Western Walker Slide. Show. Yeah, man, I'm coming. I'm huffing around the corner. My 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 helmet has flown off. Oh, isn't that the best when you're flying? Yeah, my, just my fly. joint's flown off, so I get all the camera time and all that good stuff, man, before I get in there 
and uh, score to close out the show. So, yeah, let's get back into it. Hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button. Folks, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. At Wesson Walker on Twitter, most importantly. Then also Wes Bryan underscore 72 at Walker Mellon at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that follow button. Check out the content. We always got great questions of the day for you. Today's question is... Will the Hornets get to 37 games? Will Walker have to buy Fiddy lunch for a week? Or will Fiddy have to sit around with peanut butter in his hair that I will apply for three hours? So Wait, I'm definitely rooting for the latter. Yeah, does he have to have peanut butter in his hair? I think we amend the bet and say that he has to do a whole week's worth of shows oh, with peanut butter. Man. Ooh, <laughs> we. I think your hair would be full of ants. And yeah. All types of stuff would be flying into your hair, man. You know what? That's peanut true. Peanut butter in there for a week. That's true. Not in the studio. And plus, I want Ooh. him to wash his hair. You're right. All right. Only bears, three hours. Bears might chase him. That's true. Only three hours. We don't I would him. pay for that for a bear to chase you. As long as you made it out alive. I, would, I, I was about to say. Not, where was that I'd going? I'd be here for that. That's you a big s- caveat. You started the show by calling me fat, and then you want <laughs> me to be bear meat. My mom no, did. I said I want you to be okay, but just to see you actually running from the bear would be hilarious. Because you're supposed to get down on the ground and act like, uh, what's it they say? If a bear's chasing you, they say you're supposed to fall on the ground and act like you're, you're dead or hurt or I something think it, like that. It depends on what kind of bear. I think that's true for a grizzly bear. I think for a black bear, you try to act as big as you can and scare it. That, yeah, they say that too, to make yourself big. And if you large. get caught by a polar bear, it doesn't matter. You're done. What about a Kodiak? <laughs> I don't. the biggest I, bear of them all. Well, polar bear is the biggest. I don't think they're bigger than Kodiaks. Come on, drum. Yeah, What's I don't the think they're bigger than Kodiaks. All Kodiaks right. are monsters. All Let's right, I'll in. get the college football talk, and then you can research the bear. All right, that sounds good. Tell us All what right. you got. All right, so college football, we talked about Florida State losing to Clemson. Oh, Clemson losing to Florida State. And we talked about what does it mean. And we've heard so many different theories. And I know Fiddy said he thinks that the dynasty is dead. And I know that Clemson fans out there, and I want to hear from you, 704 are you really starting to question the Dabo way? And a lot of people like to bring up how he felt about NIL. And a lot of people like to bring up how he feels about the transfer portal. And Dabo did address this in a press conference. I believe it was a couple of weeks ago after they lost to Clemson. And he talked about how he said that there were some guys that they've gone after in the past in the portal. But he said they have to love us back. And then also people... I guess failed to realize that Clemson has a whole building that they built that's dedicated solely to NIL. But a lot of people feel like that they're behind the times, that they're not in the portal getting some of the depth that they could use and maybe finding a star player too. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think Clemson was in the mix for uh, Jordan Addison at one point when he was in the portal. But I guess now with things looking bleak, Clemson not, being a part of the college football playoff discussion, not even a part of the top 25 discussion. And it's going to be tough for them to get back because the rest of the schedule, in my opinion, also uh, is not a gimme. They still got some games left that could go either way, in my opinion. So do we think that Clemson fans should be starting to question the dabble way given all that he's done for this program? I never would have thought Clemson football would be in a place to even be having these conversations to begin with with how much they've won and winning national championships. Uh, yeah, the, the guy is still a very good coach, all right? So it's not like Dabo is the worst in the world. Of course not. You still would love him to coach your program. This is a team that did not live up to expectations last year, and they still won the ACC championship, and they beat North Carolina by a lot to get that conference championship. With all that being said, there's one big problem that we've talked about. To me, it just 
I, I don't know if an argument exists where it's okay for Dabo to just completely ignore the transfer portal in the way that it seems he has done. The way that he has been vocal about wanting the guys that he recruits instead of going into the transfer portal and looking there for talent also. It can be done where you win a championship. 100%. He's done it before. He's won a champion, even though the transfer portal has only been relevant the last, what, few years or so. But to completely ignore an avenue in which you can add talent to your team in a way that no other team does that. We've talked about Alabama. We've talked about Ohio State. Look at Florida State right now going into the transfer portal and getting a Keon Coleman and Jared Verse. Monster, talented players. USC doing the same thing, right? And then we can even go to a Georgia where maybe those guys haven't contributed as much, but they went after them. They went after them to add the number one guy in the transfer portal a couple of years ago. I just don't know why you would ignore that. The thing about Dabo for this last game is that the game management was the issue. Mm Mm-hmm. It seemed like the players did enough to win that football game against Florida State. They did just enough. But the game management was really questionable. And so I think when we talk about the Duke game, it was weird for us, the college football viewer, to see a Duke program that looked more talented than Clemson. That was shocking. Even with us, Wes, who has been, you especially, me liking Duke, you loving them, calling the upset, it did feel weird to see Duke outclass Clemson in the talent department. They they had cornerbacks locking those guys up on the outside. Kate Klubnick did not look as good as Riley Leonard, but it didn't look like they were so outclassed against Florida State. It didn't look like that to me. And even still, they lost the game. So I think now we're talking about in four games, Wes, two different things that are the takeaways. One, Dabo Sweeney game management. The other, just not having enough talent. That's the issue now that you have multiple questions just a month into the season. Yeah, I've said it too. Since 2015, only one recruiting class outside of the top 10. When you talk about 2017, they were 22nd according to Rivals.com. But I feel like he's always had everything that he needs at his disposal. And it's just been a case of some of the guys just have not been panning out, especially mainly those receivers. Defensively, they've still been good, even though they haven't had quite the pass rushes that they had to get to that double-digit sack mark on a consistent basis, but I feel like he's had everything he's needed. I haven't felt like Clemson has had to go into the portal to get a ton, but then also when I try to think about some of the players they could have gone in to get who would have really made a difference in taking them to a championship that's been sitting in the portal over the last couple of seasons. Right, and and that's that's the thing. Dabo, very good recruiter even still. It's just there's no reason to deny the transfer portal. Why? That That's my – I just can't make any excuse for it. I just don't understand why you wouldn't use an avenue to bring talent to your squad because of no good reason that I can come up with. And here's another good question, I think. So with Dabo Sweeney, right, here's someone that is recruiting still high-end talent. Mac Brown, North Carolina, they're doing the same thing. And yet you talked about it not having panned out, right? Clearly, Dabo, just go back to last year, the ACC championship. Mac Brown, Dabo, they both get there. Mac Brown and North Carolina, they get destroyed in that ACC championship. But is there a parallel to still having crazy high recruiting classes and that talent not living up to the expectations in some scenarios? I, I do wonder what the parallel is between Clemson and North Carolina because it feels like 
in in their own way, they're experiencing similar problems. Yeah, and so when people talk about it, the text line is definitely getting uh, lively with this topic. T. Harv says, Clemson alumni and super fan here is not completely lost, but obviously the recruiting slippage since DJ's first year uh, when he started. I'm not sure I quite agree with that because they've had a lot of guys that they've signed that have been four- and five-star guys that people looked at as can't miss, and they've come in and they've, well, missed. And then TFB also, he asked on the text line, how many more L's does Clemson have at Miami, out South Carolina, at South Carolina, at State, Notre Dame, UNC? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's saying they will lose all of those or what, but I know that they definitely have some games down the stretch that are no uh, sure things for them when you look at it in the grand scheme of things. But I just think it's interesting that a guy who took this program to levels that I don't even think Clemson fans thought they would ever get to uh, – that now they are starting to question and feel like that there could be moves made in the next couple of seasons um, or whatnot. So let's turn the page and go over and look at the NC State Wolfpack. And man, did they survive a scare from the Virginia Cavaliers on Friday night. And so this was a game that you looked at it on paper, felt like NC State would take care of business, but it's the same problems. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago after they had a lackluster first game against UConn, but we gave them the grace of saying it was the first game. But then you come out against Virginia. Who knows what would have happened? I'm not a shit-a-won-the-game type of guy, but who knows what would have happened if Virginia wouldn't have had so many of those stupid turnovers at the end of the game that they had. But they were outgained by the Cavaliers, 384 to 319. Uh, Brennan Armstrong only passed for 180 yards on 15 of 30 passing. He also carried the ball 15 times. He's basically State's running back. KC Concepcion out of uh, Chambers High School, though, was a bright spot for them in a the receiving court that looks other uh, otherwise pedestrian. Six catches, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. But when you look at NC State, 4.8 yards per play they averaged in this game. And this offense looks not even close to what many people thought that it would, bringing in Robert and I, pairing him back with Brennan Armstrong that thought that they could recapture the magic when he was at Virginia uh, a couple of seasons ago. So uh, what do you make of the Wolfpack right now? And does this did Friday night's game prove that this season is going to be a rough ride for uh, Wolfpack Nation? I mean, NC State, they figured out a way against Virginia, despite Virginia not being very good. But we know that this is not all that uncharacteristic of Dave Doran teams. We know that Dave Doran, he'll probably get eight wins. That is the betting favorite for him to get eight wins almost every single year, but there's going to be some hiccups along the way. <sighs> yeah, it was ugly. Brandon Armstrong is not throwing the ball well. That passing offense, it's a real problem right now. I think the offensive line, after losing a couple of guys, while Icky and Zavala might not be doing well for the Panthers, they were still a good unit. It was still a good left side of the line for NC State. So now you lose a couple of those guys, right? You lose a couple of wide receivers. You've mentioned it time and time again. So now you're talking about not as much wide receiver talent, not as much offensive line talent. They've had a lot of talented running backs come out of that program too. So no more, you know, bam nights or anything like that. And you're bringing in a QB that did have a crazy season two years ago, but he certainly didn't last year. It was always going to be a wild card, whether he could get even close to what he did when he had what 4,500 yards offense, something close to it. Yeah. We're seeing this play at a lesser level with this being a wild card team. So he's still going to lead the team in rushing yards. He's going to be the guy that has the record for most rushing yards by a QB in NC State history. Is it going to be enough offense to even compete with a team like Louisville, who's undefeated right now? 
It's going to be a big old test that you have this week against Louisville when you take them on in just a few days worth of time. If they beat Louisville, I think they can get right back on track. You'll feel a little better about them. But if they get beat down, they'll have a game against Marshall. And then think about this stretch. Duke, Clemson, and Miami. Right in a row before you get Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. And they're both on the road, Wes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a big old game that you have at home against Louisville. And then hopefully you can provide yourself a little cushion against Marshall on the other week. Yeah, NC State loves the number 24. They scored 24 points against UConn. They scored 24 points in a loss in Notre Dame and 24 points in a win uh, versus Virginia. They were able to get 45 on VMI. But I think you, me, and Fiddy could probably go out there and get 30 on VMI. Okay. So all That's disrespect intended. Okay. I'll just say that. I'm not going to be no disrespect. Like, I'm just going to tell it like it is. All right. When you talk about wide receivers going back to the Carolina Panthers and Jonathan Mingo, his early struggles. And when you look at the history of this franchise, and I pulled up an article that came out last year by Fantasy Index because, you know, they love to give you great analytics on those fantasy sites. Panthers, since 2010, with the receivers that they have drafted, they're 16th in the NFL in average production of drafted receivers. And so they've drafted seven guys, uh, and these are only players that were drafted in the first three rounds. And they averaged 53 catches for 680 yards, and they've had four guys that, I guess in a fantasy sense, have had top 30 seasons. And then also when you go look at Carolina's all-time receiving leaders, and I mean, it's not a... It's an impressive group by some of the names that you see, but when you talk about homegrown guys that they've had, yes, Moose and Smitty for sure and DJ Moore, but then after that, you kind of struggle to find guys that they drafted that turned out to be really, really good receivers. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is sixth all-time in their franchise's history in career receiving yards, and I mean, Christian McCaffrey, no doubt about it, he's a bad boy, but for a running back to be sixth, in your organization all time in receiving yards. Uh, it begs the question, too, with Mingo and his struggles. Are the Panthers just bad at drafting wide receivers, in your opinion? Well, they haven't been good recently. Part of this is tough because there's different regimes we're talking about. You're mm-hmm. talking about two iterations of Marty Herney as the GM. Yeah. You're talking about Dave Gettleman. and Gettleman, we trust. The big wide receiver acquisition he made was when he drafted Kelvin Benjamin in the first round. And now we're talking about Scott Fitterer, the wide receivers he drafted. Mingo this past year at 39. And you're discussing Terrace Marshall Jr., where he kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, at 59 overall, he decides to take the chance on the injury-ridden Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU. So I, don't, I think it's strong to say that they've just been outright bad across their history but i guess since 2010 it hasn't gone crazy well i think curtis samuel is a really good football player i think the dude's hurt quite a bit but if you look back at the time where you had i believe it was curtis samuel robbie anderson dj moore and then even mike davis they had four guys over a thousand yards total that season i mean curtis samuel was being used in the backfield as well Mm -hmm. I, i really talk about separation curtis i believe even last year was one of the guys that led the league in separation. Love Curtis, just doesn't stay on the field as much. So I think they've got some hits, but it would be bad if Mingo doesn't hit. And I was thinking about this the other day too, Wes. Remember how big of a deal it was that the Panthers were holding on to that 39th overall selection when they decided to trade up to go get Bryce Young? That was a real sticking point in negotiations with the Chicago Bears. I think that adds a lot more pressure on Jonathan Mingo. Of course he's a high draft pick, But it was a talking point. Hey, they were able to hold on to 39. 
and still move up to number one overall and go get their franchise QB. So whoever they select there, if they become a star, that will be a real feather in the cap for Scott Fitterer as far as draft capital goes. If Mingo doesn't work out, and we're talking about three games in, the guy got a concussion, so hopefully he's back and ready to go as soon as possible. But if Jonathan Mingo doesn't work out long term, then being able to negotiate keeping that asset will have all been for naught. Because if Mingo doesn't work out, then that's the that's the guy you drafted. And so that's not going to help your quarterback that you drafted number one overall anymore. I think there's a lot of pressure on Mingo to figure it out. Yeah, I think so, too. And so on the text line, Couch Coach Kyle says not only have the Panthers been bad at evaluating and drafting wide receivers, but they don't put a lot of value in drafting a good receiver. And a lot has to do with the struggles across the board for the entire team. Another 704 number says, no, West, the Panthers are bad at drafting in general. And so what begged the question for me is that, you know, you have some organizations that are known for drafting well at certain positions. Like you look at the team everybody always likes to say is great at drafting receivers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, how they always find guys. But then uh, when you look at it, too, uh, in this criteria that they used on Fantasy Index, two of the top four teams were right in the division, the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though they only had two, uh, Atlanta had two picks since 2010 in the first three rounds of wide receiver and Dallas had four. Uh, I mean, not Dallas, but Tampa Bay had three of those. But, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting question to see, and hopefully Mingo uh, can get himself together and put together some semblance of a good rookie season. But we're going to go over to our veteran producer for his last flash of the day. Fitty, let's bring it. It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Any talk of potentially trading Andy Dalton away to the New York Jets is going to be put on hold because the Jets have signed veteran free agent quarterback Trevor Simeon to their practice squad. Of course, the Jets need to upgrade that quarterback room. Zach Wilson, the second lowest completion percentage in the NFL after Week three, a lot of Panther fans got really excited after seeing Andy Dalton throw it 58 times and look the part on Sunday and say, hey, maybe we could trade him to the Jets and get maybe a second, at worst, a third-round draft pick. It appears if that's going to happen, though, it's going to be a little later down the road. Trevor Simeon, the quarterback I always remember starting against the Carolina Panthers the first week of the 2016 season following the Super Bowl matchup between the Broncos and the Panthers. In that game, Simeon threw for just one touchdown pass, a couple of interceptions as well. Remember how big of a surprise it was that Simeon was the opening quarterback that year. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it was. And so the Jets are definitely looking for answers. They've been getting turned down left and right by different vets. Vets have been reaching out to them. They seem to think they're okay. So I don't know what their strategy is or what they plan to do, man. But the Jets are in a world of trouble. And uh, I guess they're going to wait on Aaron Rodgers to come back and, quote, unquote, save them next season, I guess. Or uh, based off his medical evaluation he may be back before the season to save it because doubt that's me. what a I want you to doubt like me. him would think but when we come back we're going to close this thing down on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ
talking about it during the break, man. Monday Night Football, I don't know if that delivered last night. Despite having two different games to choose from, both of them weren't fantastic. We got to see Jalen Hurts have a couple of nice throws. The one drive in particular where he had the throw to Alameda Zacchaeus. That was a nice one. Tampa Bay, they didn't go away quietly. They did have somewhat of a run at the end of that game. Mike Evans caught yet another touchdown pass. But Philadelphia, they held on strong. They were able to win, I believe, by double digits. And the Rams-Bengals game last night, that was brutal. Bengals don't look great. And that's a Rams team that is better than I think what we expected, certainly Mm -hmm. by their week one performance. But Joe Burrow fed Jamar Chase a lot. One, maybe two big plays to Jamar Chase, but there was a lot of receptions to accumulate to the amount of yards that he had. Joe Burrow still does not look 100% healthy. The calf strain is it's real. After the game, Joe Burrow said, "Mm, we're getting there. But you know, that's not a good sign when he doesn't want to say, yep, we're, we're fully cleared. We all know that. But hopefully Joe Burrow is able to not get hurt anymore because I would like to see the Bengals. I, I want to see fun quarterbacks in the postseason. I want to see what good teams are in the postseason. And so they're one and two. They could not start the season 0 and three and they avoid that. But narrowly. What? Did you guys know why they've been doing the double headers? I did not know. It's part of the it's, new TV deal when they got back in the fold. Uh, that's not what I heard. I heard that they've been doing double headers for the writer's strike because ABC needs to fill time. That's what they said. No, that's no, what I saw. No, because these double headers were already pre-planned in the year. That's like uh, week two, week three, and there's a week I think in like seventeen or I think it's sixteen or seventeen. And they've done this before. Yeah, they, they started doing this whenever they would do it just one week. Though. Whenever ABC got rights to the Super Bowl is when they started doing this. So, do you guys like the double headers? Yeah, um, I mean, more football the better. No, I don't. Why is that? Because, I, like, Monday Night Football, you know, you standalone one game. Now you've got two games with, you know, and, and you have a crew that's not even an NFL crew. You got Chris Fowler, who's not an NFL guy, and Dan Orlovsky and Lewis Riddick, guys that aren't play-by-play analysis. They're, they're studio people trying to call a game. It does sound different. It's it, it the, the games don't feel as important. Now, with Joe and Troy, it feels like Monday Night Football. But with the Fowler crew, no, it, it doesn't. It feels like a just a random game that's on on a Monday night. Okay, real quick, though, I wanted to throw, and I did see that they said that the, the changes with the scheduling, they said are for one season only are, are due to the ongoing strikes by Hollywood writers who have left ABC without scripted fall programming. So I guess we'll have to keep digging on the research side to figure it out, as you were. We will. We'll have to okay. keep digging. <laughs> that was real soft. You win. We'll have to keep digging on those. You like that. Stay true to the Wesson Walker show. <laughs> we'll find out more information as Trump <laughs> continues to research. Yeah. Yeah. The double header for me, I'd like to focus more on one game. Mm-hmm. Like I get my overwhelming NFL red zone blast of football for your face. Let me tell you. <laughs> I made it known to Flounder that you called the red zone a overwhelming experience. At one o'clock specifically. He did not have very kind words to say about you oh, complaining on. about the greatest invention in sports television I history. I must agree. I must agree. I but, wasn't complaining but about But a lot it. of people do that, though, because my mom doesn't, she doesn't care for it like that. And my girl would say the same thing. She'd be like, God, she's just like, I think I'm watching one thing, then it's something else. And they just talk about how hectic it gets. I wasn't complaining about it. I love red zone. Yeah. It is they a call great it invention. overwhelming is a negative connotation to a man that sacrifices peeing 
to bring you seven hours of commercial-free football. And I appreciate him for that. He gets breaks. He does. And it, I, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I was really done. I said I appreciate him for that. I don't have any problem with I told you, at 4 o'clock especially, what I love is the fact that you go back and forth through three games where mm-hmm. you don't get any commercials. You go back and forth, and you can actually tell the sequence of the plays. But when it's 1 o'clock and everybody is playing... You have so many different going here and there, and it's great. It's nonstop action. It is it is an experience. But I do feel like Krusty Krab in the Twilight Zone looking around because there's so much action. I don't have any problem with it, but especially if there are games that I want to pay attention to and what's going on, then I might just flip over through a few games. But I'll go to Red Zone quite a bit at 1 o'clock. Yeah, I'm a channel flipper, and I'm a guy that will have uh, multiple TVs to watch stuff if I'm if I'm into it like that. So I've been a Red Zone fan from the jump because, like I said, I'm a channel flipper anyway. So it's the same thing I would do manually. I hate that Flounder was talking crap, man. He I, came in and he said, hey, I just wanted to stop by yeah, the fishbowl. Yeah, he didn't fish bring bowl. that same energy. No, he said, I wanted to stop by the fishbowl and say bye to you guys. I'm leaving early today. I was like, all right. I Maybe he was trying to find out how you felt to check your temperature. Maybe he thought Fitty told him already and he was trying to check your temperature. Oh, no. He told me. He was like, when I see this blankety blank, oh, I'm going to. This is where I yeah, am. No, I'm being dead serious because the witching hour. You know what the witching hour is, correct, Walker? Yes, I know what the witching hour is. Is the greatest hour we have as sports fans during the football season. And in and, and all of America, we're sitting there rejoicing, watching wins become losses and losses become wins. And Walker Mail's just sitting there like I'm how how come my first time, okay? I apologize. If I'm weak, I'll be that. I'll be weak if you want me to. It's my first ever red zone experience. It's a lot going on, okay? You try to show it to other people, especially if you go split screen, it's like I'm watching Inception football. You've got football inside of football. I'm sorry that I can't handle it to you red zone vets. It's a little overwhelming to experience for the first time. I'll get used to it. No, but I, I, I'll, I'll jump in with you and saying that by the time I get to the night game after watching Red Zone all day, it better be a damn good night game because I'm pretty I'm pretty spent as far as all the football I've seen and the intensity and the flipping around and stuff. So I can admit to that. It does leave you uh with slight football fatigue. You guys you guys are just losing your your uh your tolerance is high, I should say. I mean, when you first get started, sometimes your tolerance isn't as high. But you guys are vets. <laughs> You guys are functioning NFL-holics is what you are with NFL Red Zone right now and all of the video footage. I mean, especially if you go split screen. That, I don't even love split screen as much. One, I want to be able to customize it to my own on what games that I want. They offer a ton of combinations, but they never have the combination that I want. I like the double split screen more. If you just get two games going Mm -hmm. at one time, I like that a little better than the four split screen, but... I I'm, I would get it again. It's just I need to ease into it. I'm not a cannonball in the pool type of guy. <laughs> I need to walk in the steps just a little bit, at least when it comes to my red zone viewing experience. 980 said, Walker puts off strong great-grandpa vibes with some of his takes. Look, man, I'm sorry. I can't handle it. What does great-grandpa Walker sound like? A lot like Mitch Kupchak, probably. Oh, there's not there's not a different... There's not there's not a, a different uh, yeah. accent for a Claremont County great grandpa Walker Gunderson male. I don't think I gain a southern accent if I you know, as I get older. <laughs> I don't think that's really I mean Brian yet. Kelly did. 
He, that's true. He moves on down to Baton Rouge, and he said, I do declare. <laughs> <laughs> we will win some football games. I do declare. <laughs> that's Brian Kelly, 100%. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. Keep it right here. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's the Kyle Bailey Show coming up next. I'll call him the great Kyle Bailey. I went with the great Smoke Ludwig, and then Kyle was questioning it. So I'm going to flip it this time. Okay. It's the great Kyle Bailey, just alongside normal old Smoke Ludwig. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.